setting of the sun I will stand on every promise of your word Words of power strong to say That will never pass away I will stand on every promise of your Pressing in, I will stand on every promise of your word. You are faithful to forgive that in freedom I might live. So I stand on every promise of your word. Get
long time, you've just ignored it. Maybe this is your first time. You may have been stricken by how strange that might be. You might think, well, that's a sacrilege. But no, Jesus committed the sacrilege on our behalf. We come to him through the cross. We enter this place not as people embarrassed because of our sin, but as people confident in what Christ has done. So if you come in here thinking, I don't deserve to be here, you're right. But Jesus gives us confidence to enter his temple with confidence in what he has done for us. Isn't that good news? Would you stand your feet and let's begin our time together encouraging one another with this psalm from Psalm 57. Let's read it out loud together. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing, I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Maybe so. He's worthy of all our praise. Let's give God all of our praise. All praise to Him. All praise to Him, the God of light, who holds the mountains. By his might, all praise to him who names the stars that sing his famous skies above. All praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above, yes, begs to hear our every prayer. Son, the servant king, who left behind his glorious throne to pay the ransom for his own. All praise to him who humbly came to bear our sorrows, sin and shame, who lived to die, who died to rise.
Jesus. Let's do that together.
again, good morning and welcome. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Hebrew Baptist Church, where we together want to take our next steps toward Christ. For many of us, our next step is, is just growing in his word and in fellowship and in prayer. For if you're new today, maybe your next step might be to, to commit in a greater way to this church, if it's been a good fit for you, and we hope it has. But either way, all of us together, without exception, ought to be taking our next steps towards Christ. And that's our goal as a church, together. Um, well, we have, we've gathered here, we've worshipped, we've sung, uh, we've read God's word together. We've, uh, hopefully you've smiled and fellowshiped on your way in this morning. Uh, but one of the things that we are about as a people is prayer. And so we tend to spend a fair amount of time every Sunday in prayer. And we're going to do that uh, this week is no exception because we believe that God is with us and that we believe that God is for us. And God has told us to ask. And what we don't have, we don't have because we don't ask. So let's spend some time together uh, praying, asking God for great things. So help me pray. Let's pray together. Father, we ascribe to you all praise. We join the heavenly angels and hosts in praising and giving glory to you because of your strength. We ascribe to you the glory due your name, and we worship you in the splendor of your holiness. Your voice is above the waters, the chaos you make chaos into, into organized and glorious fullness. Your glory thunders, you, Lord, above the vast water, the voice of the Lord in power and in splendor. Your voice breaks the cedars and all of the establishments of this world, and it is your voice that we want to hear. Your voice shatters the cedars of Lebanon. It makes Lebanon skip like a calf. And Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of, our, of, 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 of the world and of our hearts. And so we give you praise. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the woodlands bare. And we acknowledge who you are in this place, Lord. And because we know your glory, because we know who you are, we want the world to know who you are. And not just who you are as our creator, but who you are as our savior. And so we pray that you would help us in our evangelism. We have said and we've committed together that this is important to us. We pray that you would give us the wherewithal, the desire, the strength, the courage, to be effective and urgent in our evangelism. Give us a heart for the people around us who are like sheep without a shepherd and, and send us to them that they may hear the gospel and believe. And in the spirit of sending and, 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 and proclaiming the gospel, we pray for our partners, uh, the, our sister church in Salt Lake City, Redeeming Life Church. This morning we pray that as they go into worship in a few, in an hour or two, we pray that you would draw them together as a people. We pray that, they, that their, their singing would be rich, that your word would go forth clearly, and that people would be changed. And that you would send them into their city 
where less than 2% are Christians. Father, we, um, we lift up uh, things going on further away from us, Lord. Our hearts are burdened for what's happening in Israel right now for a number of reasons. And Lord, we can form a number of opinions about what we think is happening, what should be happening, but we know in the end that every single person involved in this battle, in this war, Lord, is someone made in your image, someone that you died to save. And so we pray, Lord, that you would keep from death, that you would keep from, from, from evil your people. We pray that you would bring peace. We pray that both uh, uh, both parties in this conflict would, um, would, 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 in your name and in the spirit of, 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 of their brothers and sisters uh, created by God, we pray that they would, would come together in agreement, Lord, and that all evil would end. And we know, Lord, ultimately that will only fully and finally happen when Jesus returns. And so we pray. Lord, come quickly. While we wait on you, we know that your, that your kindness and not destroying the earth like we deserve is meant to lead us toward repentance. And so we repent of the ways in which we have not been urgent in our evangelism. We acknowledge that we've been lazy and careless, that we have not loved our neighbor as we ought enough to give them the thing that will save their soul for eternity. We repent, we ask, Lord, that you forgive us, that you would cleanse us from, un from unrighteousness, that you would give us then a confidence to go, knowing that you have people in this city that will turn if we go to them, knowing that you have forgiven us of much. And so we go as a people forgiven and loved. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're encouraged by this word from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 17. Excuse me, for verse 18. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you have believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's stand together and sing of our only hope in life and death. Yeah. 
place. No presence in this place. Your glory on our face. We're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our Everyone, clap, come on. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. This side's worshiping, what about you? Open up the heavens. Sean and we are going to open up God's word together we are continuing our series through the book of Philippians till we get right up to Christmas and so as you have been here if you haven't been here this is your first Sunday here we are going through Philippians and seeing as Paul says count it all joy we're looking at the joy of the Christian life and how we may receive it that joy is actually possible as Christians and today we're going to look at how joy comes actually through humility 
So if you want to join with me in your copy of God's Word or in your device, Philippians chapter 2, right at the beginning, it's page 1040, 1040 in the Pew Bible that's in front of you. Um, If not, just go to Philippians and hang a right at the Gospels and you'll eventually get to Philippians. And it's the big number two is where we're going to begin uh, in your copy of God's Word, chapter 2. Let's read that. If there is, let me just say this, I was getting ready to start. If there is a scripture that we should memorize or especially know where it is, that when the Spirit calls us or guides us, we we need to know where this is. So this is an important passage. All of God's Word is good, but this is one that I think if you're growing in Christ, taking a next step, this is one of those you might want to highlight or bracket or do something in your Bible, okay? Sorry, I meant to say that earlier and I forgot. Okay, now I'm going to read it. Number, chapter 2, verse 1. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existed the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words to encourage us, guide us, and to make us more like Jesus Lord, we pray these words today would not be just something that we, we, we listen to and hope to aspire to, that we forget in just a few minutes as we pull out of the parking lot. But instead, Lord, stamp these on our heart. Use the Spirit to empower us and change us. God, use these words and these moments as holy moments in our life to change us, to be more like Jesus. I pray as we leave this place that we would listen, that we would obey, that we would be changed, and we would never be the same again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story of a pond that was in the country where two ducks and a frog became friends. And they spent the, the spring and the beginning of the summer just loving life and sharing stories. Though, as the summer went on, the rain stopped. And as the rain stopped, the heat increased. And as the heat increased, the pond began to shrink. 
they came to understand that sooner or later that there was not going to be room for them in the pond and they didn't want to split up so what were these friends going to do so they had they devised a plan the two ducks would get a stick and hold it in each beak the frog would hold on to the stick with its mouth and the ducks would fly all three of them to a new pond so that they could spend their days together and guess what that's what they did the ducks had the stick on either end the the frog had to had a had their had his mouth on there and off they went flying where the neighbor farmer looked up and said I have never seen anything like that before I wonder whose idea that was to which the frog said it's me <laughs> we've heard pride comes before the fall <laughs> in that case it was a very deadly fall we know that pride is in the terror of the forest fires of our heart burning ourselves up making ourselves more important harming relationships and making ourselves the center of the universe but the one dirty little secret about pride is that it's hard and it's tiring and it ends badly all of us struggle putting ourselves first at the center of everything but what we don't admit to ourselves and even to one another is that it's tiring it's hard that we work all the time on a project in a group that at the end of the time that all we are concerned about is that our work in the group gets noticed not what the group did that we stay up all night thinking about how we came across in a situation how we came ahead in a conversation we spend lots of money to look accessible and acceptable for others we can admit that this is tiring but as Christians we are called to do something radically different so different from our human nature our sinful fleshly human nature and that is to put ourselves last not first it is the reversal of what God through Jesus Christ has called us to do as I was taught or learned in my life group that joy actually comes when we get the right order joy j-o-y jesus others you when we get that order correctly then we have great joy but when we get it out of order when we're always putting ourselves first there's always disorder problems strife that's why the bible tells us that we as christians should be always growing in humility putting ourselves last putting others first it is when that we understand that is when we will actually find joy this is what paul is teaching the church at philippi that joy comes in humility 
John Stott observed this. John Stott, the great English pastor who wrote many books that I would recommend, says, at, at, the, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is our greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. C.S. Lewis argued to even, even get near humility, even for a moment, is like a drink of cold water to a man's heart. Deceased now, Pastor Tim Keller of New York said, there's nothing more relaxing than humility. Why? Because we're not spending our hours trying to impress. Our world isn't crushed when things don't go our way. But most importantly, that when we love others first and most is when we're most like Jesus. And that, brothers and sisters, brings joy. Therefore, for the good of our own souls, for the good of our church, for the good of our witness to the watching world, we should find joy in humility and always be growing in it. In this passage, there are three ways that we can grow in joyful humility. So let's observe those together. Number one, a joyful humility comes from our new gospel identity. A new, a joyful humility comes from our new gospel identity. What does Paul write? He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Paul opens up with this series of if statements and if we are Christians we probably should read it this way since there is since there is any encouragement in Christ since there is consolation of love because these are truths of our life these are motivations reminders of what we receive in our identity and relationship with God the first reminder is that if there or since there is encouragement in Christ, we are reminded that there is encouragement in knowing Jesus, that there's nothing that lifts our souls, our spirits in knowing Jesus Christ, even as we've talked for the last uh, whole chapter, the last few weeks, that even in the midst of pain and suffering, there is no greater encouragement than Jesus Christ in our life. Second, since we have consolation of love. Here this is a presuming to know that there is a comfort that comes from the love of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we know that there is a sense of knowing that even if the whole world rejects us, it does not matter because we receive the unending, never stopping, immense love of Jesus Third, we are reminded that since there is fellowship in the Spirit, there is amazing words here. Fellowship, koinonia, just that we had talked about just in the last chapter, this deep 
connection and fellowship that unites that he, Paul had talked about that unites us through brother to brothers and sisters also we are united even in a deeper way in the Holy Spirit we are connected to God through his very presence in our life that the Holy Spirit himself resides in us and therefore connects us with other people and then fourth since there is any affection and mercy. We have affection in Jesus Christ and tenderness. We have mercy, which means compassion, that God, we have received mercy from our sins, from a compassionate Christ who died for us. But in this, that we have a Father who knows us and cares for us and loves us, and that if we confess our sin. He is quick to forgive. Paul's point is this. Despite our sinful self-centeredness, the preoccupation with our own ideas, our own preferences, our own convenience and comfort, that it's very instinctive to us as fallen children of Adam. But we are to remind it that the triune God has encouraged us comfort us, loves us, and established partnership with us. And in this, there is great joy. You know, at our home, our streaming device is connected to our photo history. And there's numerous times when things are paused and everything kind of goes into standby mode that these pictures rotate through. And without hesitation, every couple of minutes, Somebody goes, oh, look at that. Do you remember that? Oh, look at that. Look how, look at little chunky little Isabella. Look how chunky and cute she was. And <laughs> look how wonderful. Look at that memory that we had together. Look at all the things that, that we've experienced together. Look at the joy that we have as a family. These are reminders to us, and maybe you have that on your app, or maybe you watch on your phone all these pictures that that uh, that go through the video that create you know they create the photos and create a video, and you can go back and watch all of those. And they're great reminders of of wonderful things. Our kids growing up, our our pe our pets, our family memories, or where we traveled. Paul, in a way, Paul, in a way, is using a memory app. For the Philippian people and for us. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember it's you and look what Christ has done. Look at what you receive in Jesus Christ. That you've received encouragement from him. Consolation of love. That you've received spirit, uh, fellowship with the spirit. You receive affection and mercy. And Paul is reminding them and us. Because of these things we should be looking out for the interest of others because we didn't deserve these things we didn't get these because we were good it's because Christ loved us and if we have received these things in this way then we should give these things to others freely maybe we should be needing to replay memories of who Christ is and what he's done for us so that we might serve with joyful humility but friend maybe you're here today and you think through your memories and your memory card is empty you don't 
know or remember when you have trusted in Christ. Maybe you have not received consolation of love or mercy. Maybe you feel even in your soul that you are far from God. Well, here's the good news, that today that you can receive Christ through repentance and faith. That today you can trust in Jesus and receive the same mercy all of us in this room have received through the work of Jesus Christ. By God's plan, you are here, maybe through the invitation of a friend or maybe because you're at home and you're sick and you're just going through searching for some joy and you landed on this message and this sermon today. This is not happenstance. This is, this is not dumb luck. This is the sovereign work of God for you to hear that God loves you, that he sent his son to die for you that Jesus came to live a perfect life and died on the cross so that he might receive the punishment that you deserve, that you might understand that his coming gave way for you to receive the consolation of love and forgiveness and mercy. And the way that you do that is because Jesus died on the cross and three days later walked out of the grave showing his power over sin and death. And he says, if you want to come to me, just believe and repent. And today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be able to receive fellowship with the Spirit and mercy and love. So I'd encourage you today, if you've not trusted in Christ, just pray to Him today. Believe on Him. If you have questions, I'll be hanging around the next steps desk, and we'd love to talk to you about that. See one of the elders or see a Christian around you. I know that they would love to talk to you about finding and trusting Jesus. But for those of us who are believers, and all of us in this room, that struggle finding humility to serve others, here's the good news. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to try hard enough, grit down and figure it out. It's within us. We have the fellowship of the Spirit. We have God inside of us. If we have been changed, we have been changed in our identity in Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me gave himself for me. Therefore, brother and sister, today we are reminded that our ability and power to live joyful humility doesn't come within ourselves. It's in Christ in us. And that we have been changed so now it's possible. Now we can do it. Now we are empowered. For you are not to do anything with what, except what Christ is in you. Christ in you begins to release the air that is our big-headedness, our pride. And joyful humility comes from our identity found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How else do we find joyful humility? A joyful humility results in a new gospel unity. A joyful humility results in a new gospel unity. That's number two. A joyful humility results in a new gospel 
unity. What does verse 2 say? Well, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. This, in short, is a dynamic unity of mind that Paul talks about. Note that the thought begins with these words, the same mind of one mind. We are unified of one mind, of one purpose. What is that one purpose? Well, we've read it back in the first chapter. It's the gospel. Paul mentions the gospel five times in the first chapter. And the fifth, he mentions in verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. This is the call for all of us to be unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the call here in chapter 2, verse 2, is to of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, as being the Philippians and us, the gospel-oriented that we relate and care for each other in the gospel. Can you imagine this? Paul was so passionate about this. He was in, a, in prison on capital charge, guarded 24-7, he was starving at times. He knew his execution was at hand. And yet, his joy, he said, was that they were acting in unity in the gospel. That he would be complete, knowing that they were unified around the gospel. You see, Paul knew that, a, that people unified in purpose would be so concerned about the gospel that they would be working together to pro proclaim the gospel, advance the gospel, that it would keep them from arguing who was going to have the extra biscuits at the fellowship meal to instead focus on the gospel-oriented, gospel advance of kingdom work. And as believers, we should be caring about our unity and working together and loving one another of the same mind of the gospel. I don't know if you've seen competitive rowing. Maybe you've seen it in the Olympics or collegiate uh, activities or, or uh, uh, competitions. You see them working together, rowing in one accord, rowing in unity. That is a sport that there's no room for me. There's no room for I in that team. Even if you think you're the strongest rower on the team and you dig into that thing and you're just rowing along, you get out of tune and everybody else, it just adds drag and you slow down. Or if the right side of the boat thinks that they're better and they start pulling out of sync with the left side of the boat, what happens? You just go around in circles. <laughs> you realize that in that competition, it's everybody together because it's not working for individual accomplishment. Instead, it's the joy of the team winning. Brothers and sisters, it's the same for us. The joy is not looking out for ourselves and our own interests, but the advancement of the gospel and that Jesus' name is made famous among the earth, that people's lives are changed through the preaching, proclaiming of the gospel, that we are working together in one mind, in one accord, together for our Lord King Jesus. And it is this gospel that unites us together. Paul says and knows that unity cannot survive 
without humility. When I just decide to do what's best for me, it automatically brings division to other people. Friends, we see this. We know this happens in our own lives. Are you experiencing now, or do you see division that happens, disagreement, hurt feelings, trouble? How does that happen? It's often because one of us has put our own selves in front of the other person. James chapter 4 reminds us of this. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passion that wage war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Brothers and sisters, do you see this happening in your relationships? Do you see struggle and strife? You know what the first temptation is for us to do when we read this? Yeah, that other person is a problem. It's always the other person. But what is even this scripture telling us? It's us, up to us to look at our own heart and motives. So is the problem me? Am I putting myself first? Am I causing disunity? Am I putting my desires first? Friends, maybe you have taken to a fake love, a love that is not based in a biblical love that we give regardless of what we get, that we give out of the fullness of Christ, that we give without anything in return. Instead, many of us ascribe to a love that we love as long as we're getting something back. Attention, peace, encouragement, joy. But often, friends, we must be reminded that love comes when we put ourselves last. Not only does this strife happen in individuals, but it happens in churches. Paul was warning the church at Philippi, be careful about this. Watch yourselves. Later on, there's an incident that we'll read about that he was worried about, that he was afraid that it was a, a, a little flick of a, of a fire, that he was afraid was going to become a wildfire. But he could say, look what happened over in Corinth. Or maybe, maybe you've heard what happened in Corinth. He's warning that this happens in churches. According, we know that where there's no unity around the gospel, a church divides. When church members put themselves before others, disunity happens and the eye is off the prize of the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to Tom Rayner, who's researched and written a lot on this, he says the top reasons that churches use unity is because someone, the church members or someone, has put themselves above the mission. That the church has looked inward and not outward. Not looking to the community, the advancement of the gospel, the mission of the gospel. Instead, everything that's happening inside. He said the top several reasons this happens, that it doesn't 
unity ha disunity happens is gossip. Church members talk about one another instead of talking to one another. Paul calls gossip a something gossip people filled with unrighteousness. That churches fail because they failure to confront church bullies. Church members who grab power because they can't grab it or have it anywhere else. It happens because of self-serving church members, where church members insist on getting their way for everything, from worship style to order of worship to color of the wall. Biblical church members, however, know that selfless serving and loving one another is what we should be concerned about, but also lack of prayer. Because a church that prays together or does not pray together will likely fragment. But the church that's unified around the gospel and others is particularly around the gospel stays unified. Because when we're looking outward together to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus, we don't have time to pick fights with one another. We don't have time to look after our own self-interests. We are focused on the Great Commission and serving the community. The more unified the church is and the more inward focused it is, the more they tend to fight and disagree. Brothers and sisters, we must guard ourselves and do our part to maintain unity in our relationships and in our church. You, can, you need to commit to the humility of Christ and you will find joy like nowhere else because you will, as Paul says, be focused on one purpose, the joy of Christ. Finally, number three, a joyful humility displays a new gospel way to think and love others. A joyful humility displays a new gospel way to think and love others. Verse 3 to 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for its own interests, but also for the interests of others. Paul summarizes the new identity that we have received in Christ that produces a humility, that produces a unity in the body, a, a unity that changes us, results in this new identity and life in Christ that causes us to think differently, to have different motives, and to act differently. He challenges the church at Philippi to change their minds, to change their actions, and therefore we should as well. What does he tell them to do? Number one, do nothing in selfish ambition. He is saying do nothing to work to advance oneself without thought for others. In other words, we are not working to put ourselves forward, our selfish ambition, but instead working to put others forward. Or conceit. This Greek word is the only time it's used in the entire New Testament. It's translated literally meaning vainglory meaning that we receive a glory that is meant only for God that we are receiving attention and, and, and glory that only he deserves and yet our lives 
seek conceitedly to receive it ourselves. But he says, instead, in all humility, put others first. In humility. This is something that would be foreign to the Greek culture of the first century. They considered humility to be the attitude of a slave. Humility means to bring ourselves down, to bring our mind low. It really means to think less about ourselves. Less often and less about who we are. Not in a bad way, not in we're, we're no good, we're no count, we're no, but instead that we put others more important than ourselves. When we do this, when we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, we understand that we should make our mindset of Him. That this humility that must exude from our mind and exude from our life and also come out in our action. Paul tells the readers to regard one another. To regard one another. What does this mean with this language is that of the ancient world of mathematics to calculate. In other words, that when we add up the needs of others and we subtract our needs, we come to the bottom line summary of what must benefit others most. And we need to act on that calculation. We consider or regard others more important than ourselves. This is also what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just as I also try to please everyone and everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they might be saved. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the imitation that we do. We imitate Paul as he imitates Christ, as we are called to act in humility and putting others first in our lives. There is a conductor of a symphony that was asked, what was the most difficult instrument to play? And he said, second violin. He said, I can't find, I can find plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who can play second violin with enthusiasm is a problem. And if we have no second violin, we have no harmony. But everybody wants to play first chair. Paul is not asking if we're called and ready to accept the second chair. Paul is saying we desire the second chair. That Paul is telling us to make that our ambition, to choose second place, to choose a servant role, to love others more esteemly than ourselves, because when we do, we produce great Christian harmony. He challenges each of us and to us to face this question, why do I do what I am doing in service of God and to the church, in my home, in my workplace, Am I driven by self-centered motives, even when I'm supposedly helping others? 
Am I self-serving even when I'm serving others, wanting and hoping to be noticed so that I receive the appreciation and recognition that I think I deserve? Whether I express it outwardly or not, do I nurse resentment when my hard work is ignored or my brilliant ideas are not followed? Brothers and sisters, don't you see how tired and tiring and hard this is when we're not only serving but also serving our own interests we're double working for ourselves and for others trying to make much of ourselves but instead Paul is saying we will find joy when we put ourselves second and put others first that we see the joy that is found in putting others ahead of us and in that way there is greater joy the more we think about ourselves the more we cause divisions in our relationships the more we experience hurt and eventually we may end up alone Paul is displaying to us the joy that actually comes from thinking of ourselves less and thinking of others more the late Tim Keller was masterful when he wrote and talked about this he says the the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself it's thinking of myself less gospel humility is not needing to think about myself not needing to connect things with myself it is the end to thoughts such as I'm in this room with these people does that make me look good do I want to be here True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself. The freedom of self-forgetfulness, the blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness brings. Brother, sister, I bet it wouldn't be very hard for you to think of a moment that happened this morning or this week that you saw everything get turned upside down because you thought of yourself first. Maybe, probably without even a very, maybe a gentle breeze could come along and remind you of a relationship that's been torn apart because of your own selfish ambition and desire maybe Christ is calling you to find joy in humility maybe that first step is apologizing to that person maybe that first step is admitting that you have made much of yourself. Maybe for you to find joy is to admit where you've been wrong. But the joy comes to know that you are forgiven and received tenderness and love and mercy in Christ, that you're forgiven and that you can now walk in humility to walk humbly, to put others first, to live as the Bible tells us, that the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. 
to love others as we love ourselves. Friends, how do we do this? How can we possibly do this, we might ask? Well, the Bible tells us we live like Jesus. John even wrote, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Paul, as he gives us this ultimate charge to the Philippian church and ultimately to us, if we want to find joy in humility, we must walk in humility as the one who gave and gives his example for us to follow. May we hear this. May we hear these words and follow Jesus. Listen, church. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. May we live like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words and the reminder that we find joy in humility. That, Lord, we find that our worth, our value, our life is not others, but you. Father, help us to love others in a way that we put others first, that we make much of others, we serve others, and put others ahead of our own values and interests. Heavenly Father, help us to be like Jesus. And God, I pray, I plead with you that if there is someone here that is not found and called out to you as Christ, as Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation. And that they would repent and believe and find joy in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Gospel humility looks like putting our confidence in Christ. So let's proclaim our confidence in Christ together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine.
had a really good life. Kentucky Baptists are together for the mission to take the gospel around the world. Greetings from London, England. My name is Nathan McBroom. Nathan and Abigail McBroom and their children have been on the mission field for more than 14 years. I'm originally from Bullock County, and my wife is originally from uh, Versailles, Woodford County area, and uh, we are so thankful to be able to represent the uh, churches in Kentucky, uh, Southern Baptist churches there in Kentucky, and all over our convention. The McBrooms are sharing the gospel among the Chinese people in England after being kicked out of China two years ago. It is a great honor and privilege to be able to represent the Lord Jesus and the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention uh, here in the United Kingdom. And we are so thankful to God uh, for your support and your prayers. Uh, it is just a true honor and joy. They're among the more than 6,000 missionaries and their families sharing the gospel across the globe, all fueled by the generous giving of Kentucky Baptists through the cooperative program. A missionary presence is how the gospel gets communicated. As we communicate the gospel, we communicate God's solution to the world's greatest problem, which is spiritual lostness. Former Kentucky pastor and KBC executive director Paul Chitwood leads this massive Great Commission effort. Your faithful giving through the cooperative program and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering are making it possible for more than 3,500 IMB missionaries and their 2,700 kids to be a sustained presence among the nations. Please pray for us as we continue to do evangelism and discipleship and uh, theological training among both Chinese peoples here in the United Kingdom and continued relationships with uh, uh, gospel uh, partners in China. Thanks to your giving through the cooperative program, missionaries such as the McBrooms can focus on ministry, not money. I want to again say thank you for making that possible. And may God continue to use you and us to make his name known among the nations. Thank you so much for your prayers, and we uh, praise the Lord uh, for uh, the Kentucky Baptist and for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you so much. God bless you. couple things before we leave today. Uh, first of all, guests, we hope that you felt welcome and you were uh, greeted today by our greeting team and those around you. Uh, if you have not, please make sure that you fill out a Connect card. Uh, in the pew in front of you, there should be a QR code. We hope that you would scan that, fill that out, and if this is your first time with us today, go to the Next Steps desk, which is through the double doors to the immediate left, they have a gift waiting for you if this is your first time, so we hope you do that. If you're not up to, you don't want to do it on the screen, that's fine. You can go to the Next Steps desk and they have a card that you can fill out. But we hope that you would do that so that we can come alongside with you, connect with you, and help you take your next steps. Today is our Trunk or Treat. This is our second event this weekend to serve our community. Uh, Friday night was great. We're thankful for Christy and her team uh, for all that. Uh, we had a great time Friday night. But tonight, we have all of us coming along together for our Trunk or Treat. Now, we've already decided, we posted earlier today, uh, that the rain is coming. Of course, it's pausing from now right until 4 o'clock when we're supposed to start. So instead of setting up, tearing down, running in, crying, and that's just me, uh, that, that we uh, go ahead and start inside and we get set up. We've done that, unfortunately, the last couple of years. So uh, we are going to do that. Someone will be here from 2 o'clock on. 
but we would ask that you have everything set up and ready to receive kids by 3.30. So please come ready and like, if you have to come at 3, if it takes 30 minutes to get things together, you know how that goes. Be ready to go at 3.30. Also, hopefully you, remind, you remember today is the deadline for coats for kids. Uh, that if you got a leaf, you needed to make sure that the coat came in a bag, that the leaf was on the outside, and that you brought it here today. If you've forgotten, you can bring it tonight at the fall, uh, the trunk or treat, or no later than tomorrow morning because they're going to go through it and make sure that we have everything. So please make sure you bring your coat today. Uh, also, just a couple of things. Next Sunday is an important event. We hope that you come. Check Lawless, who is the evangelical conservative expert on spiritual warfare is only speaking here at Hebrew Baptist Church. Now, he's going to be at the association meeting the next day, but he is doing this uh, for us. And for, I, I have not shared this. We prayed as pastors that we wanted to do this. We wanted to ask Dr. Lawless to come. And honestly, we looked at the budget. We said, we can't do this. This is no way for us to do it. So we just prayed, trusted the Lord. Well, I got a phone call. Hey, 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 Sean, can you set up Dr. Lawless to set up to speak at the association meeting on November 6th? I can do that. When's he coming in? November 5th. Beep, 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 beep. Dr. Lawless, would you please come to Hebron Baptist Church and speak on the 5th? He said, I would love to do it. So he was glad to do that. And the association's fitting the, the travel bill. So uh, that's how God answered prayer. So literally, God, yeah, seriously. I mean, God made a way for this to happen. And so obviously he wants us to know and grow in this area. So please make sure you come and bring somebody uh, to come alongside of you. There was childcare. I posted that link online. If you cannot get that, call us, call me, see me, and we'll make sure to put your family on there. If you want to know more about Hebron Baptist Church and how you can connect, if you want to take the next step into membership, we're having a membership class or starting point class where you can learn all about Hebron Baptist Church, our vision, what's going on, how you can plug in, uh, what's all about starting next Sunday at 9 a.m. It goes for three weeks in a row. If you can only do two, uh, we need you to come and then we can catch you up, but we really want you to come. Make sure you go to the Next Steps desk and sign up today. You need to pick up a an order, uh, pick up some information at the Next Steps desk before you leave, sign up. We will also provide child care for that, but you need to sign up so that we make sure that we have that. And then finally, Gospel at Every Home is taking a two-week break. It'll come back November 12th, 4 to 6. It will be an all-in Sunday, so we need as many people as possible. We had three teams go out last time. It was awesome. We hope to have many, so please make sure that you come to that. Now, two quick things before we close. I know I'm taking a long time. But uh, our youth parents and families know that today is Curtis Ponder's last Sunday with us. And they are going back to their home church. Uh, Curtis has to find a job to provide for his family, and we want to honor him for him taking care of our youth and leading us this last year. So let's thank Curtis and Bailey for being a part of our church family. So we will be praying for them and we will miss them greatly. Now on the other hand of the sad news, we have some happy news. On Tuesday is someone's special birthday. Clara Mae Ryle will be 101 on Tuesday. 
And, yeah. And so, I mean, when you're 101, you get your church to sing happy birthday. There's no other way about that, right? So let's sing together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Clara May. Happy birthday to you. And it's sad, I think she's in better shape than I am. <laughs> Happy birthday. We hope you have a great day Tuesday. God bless you. 101. That's right. You're going to be 101. We're thankful for you. Well, all this that we've got a lot going on, we're thankful. The only way we can do this is by your generosity and worshiping through giving. And we have worshiped through song, through prayer, through the word. We also worship as we give. So you can do that in two ways, physically, or you can scan the code that's in front of you, the QR code or the one here on the screen. And let's go to the Lord as we give. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. Uh, to your mission, your ministry, not only to northern Kentucky, but to the nations. We know you've called us to be a people of generosity, and we pray, God, that you would make us cheerful givers, that we overflow and sacrifice a way that we can put others ahead of ourselves. So not look at our money that you've given us as our own, but instead yours and what we can do for the kingdom. So Lord, as we give, may it honor you and may it be multiplied for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together. Come as you rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Come Like wildfire in 